When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me to always make it easy for the customer. That's you. A live person will always be here to answer the phone. We're here till midnight, seven days a week. So you never have to take off work. And it's the same price as in the daytime. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. You're going to love these people. I guarantee it. Go to MorrisJenkins.com. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Miles Simmons, and Will Bryan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins. That's right. You've got Miles Simmons here on the mic. I am starting this thing off today because we're doing a little something different. We wanted to do the more you can do. And I think that melds well into what is the last week of the preseason here. And so because of that, you've got all kinds of guys trying to fight for their last spot on the 53-man roster. So... We're maybe doing a couple of things differently this week. So I'm going to be hosting, at least for right now, until maybe I mess something up. But we've also got Will behind the board as the producer. Will, how are you today? I'm great. How's your levels right now? You know what? I, I think that they're pretty good. But also, we got to go to Kristen now, who is in the booth of shame. And honestly, I think I should always probably be there. But this <laughs> week, Miss Balboni, Mrs. Uh, excuse me, I, I don't want to insult your husband. Uh, how are you? I was good until you insulted my husband. <laughs> uh, no, I am great. I am uh, taking one for the team. I'm in the booth of shame. I've handed over my podcast hosting duties to you, Miles, because look, I- I'm a team player. I'm trying to be versatile, you know. So if it's if it's me taking second mic and Will producing, um, I might throw a little analysis in. Who knows? We're all just trying to be Corey Vedvik, right? We're all just trying to be Jeremy Chen. We're trying to to make that 53-man roster and show off what we can do. I would actually say Miles Hartfield, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He does have a Hall of Fame caliber first name. Isn't that right, uh, <laughs> Matt, who is usually our producer? But today, you're at the mic, aren't you? I am. I'm at the mic, and uh, I don't. I still feel like I have the same type of involvement. <laughs> <laughs> he got upgraded to the table, and he's, he's still just, you know. I'm just sitting here. Yeah. Yes, but that is here's the thing though. As we go through this, I, I think that all we want to do is just make sure that everybody knows that we can be as versatile as anybody else because we're professionals, aren't we? Aren't we all professionals? Speak for yourself. I mean, I have I get paid. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know if it's get paid to do this. 
do I need to have like stats? Do I need to be Will? Should I have statistics about? I, things? Yeah, I mean, just make I, sure I'm, make I'm sure they're confused on my role make sure they're not wrong because I got <laughs> called out on something this morning. Wait, what was that? Uh, so I was looking through the media guide and I thought that this year's Thursday night home game against the Falcons was the first time we've ever hosted them in primetime. Yes. Someone on Twitter reminded me that it happened in 1997 in October 23rd. Ooh. The one other time. Well, can I just say, how dare you? How well, dare how you dare go you? on Twitter without remembering that 97 game? Yeah. Wow. I, I feel very ashamed. You should be very ashamed, you know? And that's okay, though, Will, because, again, it's the more you can do, right? I, I mean, yeah, I think I'm doing a great job producing right now. I think you are, too, until every, somebody's every, audio goes out. Every time Miles says that, I think of that NBC commercial where it was like, the more you know, and it was oh, like yes, the, the rainbow. rainbow. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought we were doing the, the basketball. Da-da-da-da-da, basketball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was also fun. Yeah, no, we lost you, Miles. Miles, your your podcast is going off the rails here. I'm just checking in from the booth of shame over here. Well, you know what, Kristen? I think that because it's going off the rails, you should probably take back over because I don't know how to get this back on the rails if I'm being completely honest with you. Matt, I'm going to switch with you. Is that okay? That would be preferred. I want my my seat back. You come do this thing. Okay. Do this thing. Produce our podcast. Come do this thing. (laughs) That was fun while it lasted. It was fun. Just noting I'm still in the booth of shame over here. But that's okay. That's okay. Um... That was that was fun, a fun exercise in versatility. But we do want to get to to everything that's been going on here this week. Um, it's officially not training camp anymore. Going by the schedule, we are now in regular season mode. Miles, oh, stop. Yeah. What do you mean? Why? Why stop? I'm Will? not ready yet. I'm not ready. Well, you better get ready. Wait, what are you not ready for? Everything. That's fair. What does that I'm mean? I'm not ready at all. We're supposed to have games where we like test things out and make things like break, and then we fix them because they don't count. You know, like it, it you know, it, it's it's just as much of a preseason for us as it is for the players. You, you want that preseason for everybody thing that I we need, always do. Every I need a preseason. Will needs, Will needs that game three. I need a game three. I need a game four. Game four was a nice, relaxing oh sort of. You wear the polo <laughs> shirt to the press box okay. sort of game. Yeah. Okay, well, here, do you guys, I mean, usually when you go through preseason, like, is for one of those games where you're going on the road, like, how far do you usually have to go in Pittsburgh. order for game four? Okay, well, it's always Pittsburgh, okay. every single year. I actually, I should have known that. I remember reading that on the schedule now. But since it's not happening and this is my first year, I'm going to give myself a pass. But, like, in the past, when I was with L.A., with the Rams, we would have to go to, like, far away places. Like, we'd go to Oof. Green Bay. We go to Minnesota. We went to one year. Uh, I think that sounds. It, those sound like nice trips to take in the preseason versus the regular of. season. Yes and no. I Although mean, there, Minnesota's obviously there was one year we went to New Orleans, and that obviously was fun going to Bourbon Street um, the the night before the fourth preseason game. But at the same time, I think the last place you want to be on the preseason is on the road in in week four because it's just like. It's this slog, and all you want is for the clock to keep running and running and running so you can go home. All, all I do in the week four of the preseason is just eat hot dogs the entire second half, and I do it, obviously, without mustard. Yeah, okay, well, it's the right yes. choice. <laughs> well, Miles, you're in luck because uh, there's certainly no traveling this preseason. We will be home. You got your wish here. I know. Yeah, the, the la- for the last preseason game tomorrow in the Bizarro Universe. <laughs> It's true. It's true. But let's let's talk about a training camp. And I do want to hear, starting with you, Miles, what have you taken away from this very unique, strange 
training camp. Well, I, honestly, I think it's a lot of it is how we started, right? The more you can do. And we've seen that from so many different players, including a guy like Miles Hartsfield, who, you know, plays both defense and offense. And I think we mentioned this on the podcast before, but I don't know that I've ever seen that at the pro level at all. I, you, when you think of two-way players, you think of high school. And sometimes you see that in college occasionally with a guy who's a super good athlete. But you don't really ever see that at the professional level. And I think it's been kind of funny to see um, Miles, who I just like using his first name. <laughs> Usually I won't do that for, for players. But you, when you see him sometimes, he's going literally on the same drive from playing defense to playing offense. That's kind of ridiculous. And, you know, sometimes they've changed his jersey in the middle of practice. Other times he's put on a penny to, uh, to signify that he's gone from being a defensive player to an offensive player. So when you get guys like that, when you get guys like Jeremy Chin who've been playing all over the defense, um, I, I think that once you see that versatility, that's going to have to be something that is really important for these Panthers in 2020. Will, how hard do you think it is uh, to do what Miles Hartsfield is doing, not only physically, but also you, you got to be in more meetings. you gotta, you got to learn different schemes. I, I just can't imagine... Um, the mental capacity that would take to to not just be good and competent at one position, but but multiple. But I also think, yes, but this current coaching staff, this current group is trying to make that a possibility in the 2020 NFL. I think they're looking down the road. They're seeing, you know, the uncertainty of the season of guys, you know, potentially, you know, being put on, you know, maybe a COVID list at some point, you know, yeah. and who knows and saying, you know, Coach Rule has said this all the time. He wants to make this thing quick and fast and you're playing with, you know, with your instincts and not with your head. You know, you're going out there and you're playing football as well as you can and you're not being slowed down by having to think about it. And so I think they're trying to set up a guy like Miles, set up these these players that are young that just say, "Hey, here's a here's a framework. You just go play. We're going to try to create a system that makes that as as easy as possible for you so you can have success, so we can have success. So, yes, I think that it's very difficult, but I think that this particular group is trying to lean into it rather than seeing it as you know a hindrance. That's a great point. Yeah, setting, setting these versatile players up for success as much as possible because it is such a focus. Well, I do want to know, since uh, you're the only one of us that have been to normal training camps with the Panthers – as we say goodbye to it, what's the biggest thing that you missed out on this season? Was it staying in a dorm? Was it the Ooh. bucket hat look all the time? Was it watching the practice? Food? Yeah, I mean being yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean obviously, I think that's that's for all of us. I mean that's for fans. That's for all of these staff. I mean, so many people were used to being at practice um, and, and just being around. You know, you, you there's a certain sense when you go down to Spartanburg, you can, can just kind of like leave your world behind and just you know dive into football. Um, And I think that a lot of us miss that. And I think sometimes, you know, even, you know, coaches, players, you know, they kind of miss that too, to an extent. Mm. Um, But I think that they did a good job here of trying to keep it light, you know, doing all those things on Fridays to kind of keep the guys uh, really engaged, having fun, making it feel like this is something different rather than just an extended four more weeks of regular season practice here in the stadium. Um, So I think they did a good job from the player perspective of really trying to instill that difference in camp. Um, and I think that the guys aren't burned out. It doesn't feel like, yeah. you know, it feels like for, they, everyone keeps asking them in these media conference calls, like, hey, are you burned out yet? Are you tired of playing against your own people? You know, are, are you tired of this? You know, you used to play four preseason games against other teams. 
you didn't get to do that. You know, do you hate this? And they're like, no, like we're we there's a different energy and we're not worn out. You know, one thing that we didn't hear about, and I don't think I heard about this from any training camp at all, is training camp fights. Right. Uh, and, yeah. and I th- I didn't see one here, and I thought I remember thinking for a couple of days when watching practice, like you know, on a regular uh, schedule, this might be a place where you're in the middle of August. It's hot, is all get out, it's humid, and all these different things. And this is probably a place where guys might want to start fighting, and you just didn't see it. And you know, I scan Twitter as much as anybody for news all along the league, and I don't recall really hearing about any training camp fights anywhere. And I, I think. That's a credit to a lot of different things, but I think people are so very singularly focused on how do we actually just even make it to week one, right? And how do we make it to week one safely and with everybody healthy? And like getting in a fight right now would just be one of the dumbest things you can do. That's a good point. Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard of any either. So talking about making it to to week one, you got to cut down the roster. You uh, do before we can get to that and start focusing on the the first uh, real game that we're going to see. So Miles, how hard do you think it's going to be this season to cut down to 53 as opposed to other years where you get to see you know how the preseason games look you get to evaluate in a different way um what do you think this is going to be like on Saturday I I think it's going to be unique I think in some ways it might be easier and in some ways it's probably harder easier in the sense that you've only got to go from 80 down to 53 yeah but also, you got to think about the fact that you're going to have a 16-man practice squad. And a lot of those guys get to be veterans who don't have the, the restrictions that you usually would on what a practice squad player can be. So, really, instead of thinking of it as you're cutting down to 53, you're almost cutting it down to 69. Because that's what 53 plus 16 is. Nice. So, it's it's yes, it is. For, it, it, I'm glad you made that uh, joke Friday. I wasn't going to do it. I didn't make a joke. I just said a... No, it is. It's a nice number. So you really, you need to get rid of 11 guys, right? And I think if you're one of those 11, it's going to stink. It is because you're not necessarily going to know what your future holds. But then there are those other 16 in there where maybe you're not on the active roster. But I think at a certain point, you got to figure I have a good chance of being elevated at some point this year. And there are some other rules this year, too, where you can bring up guys and, and send them back from the practice call without them being exposed to waivers. So it's going to be different this year. But I think just from the standpoint of trying to craft a roster, it's not necessarily easy when you've only had so much, uh, about a month, really, a month and a couple days worth of practice time for this coaching staff, this new coaching staff, to be around these guys. Well, I got a question for you. How many of both this 53, you know, let's say there's a 53 on Saturday, there might be a different one on Tuesday. Almost certainly will be a different one, yeah. So how much of that and probably this practice squad is guys that aren't currently out there right now? You know, how much is based on what happens around the league over this weekend of guys that all of a sudden in that 24-hour period after you have to cut down and before you can sign someone back to your practice squad, right. are they going out and finding maybe, you know, I, I don't know, maybe part of it is these are these 16 guys that we all feel really good with. They've been working with us for three weeks. We want to keep all of them. You know, how much is, you know, someone that all of a sudden becomes available out there that, uh, you know, Marty Herney feels like he can make a move for? Yeah, I think that's always huge. And this is why it sort of annoys me when people call the 53-man roster the final 53. It's not final anything. Because odds are, within 24 to 48 hours, it's going to change. I mean, based on the way that things happen around the league, as you were just saying, Will. So, to me, it's always the initial 53. And from that standpoint, it's always like, 
you want to, if you're going to try to profile a guy, you want to make sure that that guy that you're profiling is going to be there in another day or two. Because sometimes when, you know, guys don't usually get a call that they've made the roster. They just don't get called that they didn't get cut, right? right. So you don't want to necessarily be like, wow, congratulations, you've made the roster. And then, you know, 24 hours later, it's, ah, sorry, my guy, you're out. Like, that's sad in some ways. But I, I think... What you said is true, Will. There's going to be some movement somewhere along this, the bottom end of this roster. And I think over the past few weeks, we've seen that they are not afraid to churn guys in and churn guys out. And that also creates a much larger base. There's guys out there right now that are or you know, on reserve lists or in various different spots that have some familiarity here that we have some tape on that Coach Rule has, you know, has a relationship with. So you know, there's, there's more than just meets the eye in terms of how this thing gets played out and you know, how the practice squad and, and the 53 get you know, created. No doubt. Yeah, and, and Rule has spoken to that, as you said, you know, bringing guys in. He said it's almost – I think he said something like it's almost our duty to get the, as many guys as we can in front of us and see how they do because our goal is to, to build the best team, and that's how we think we should go about it is to, to get them in front of us. So I, I certainly think that that carries over. Um, speaking of rule, he actually spoke about uh, the cut down to 53. Uh, we're going to start with that in our segment called Overheard. Do you hear something? Overheard. Rule said, you know, on Saturday, our 53-man roster is going to look a lot different from last year. When our 53 comes out uh, on Saturday, and you go back and look at last year's 53, I don't, you know, you'll see – a lot of turnover and I don't know if you'll see that much turnover in a lot of NFL teams and that's for a lot of reasons and that I'm not bragging about that I'm just saying we have had a lot of players leave and we had to we had to rebuild um, with good players and a good draft and I think Marty and his staff have done a great job and I think our coaches have helped um, supplement that so we got a good team it's a young team um, and I want them to I want them to fight to overachieve Fight to overachieve. I, I really like that phrase you know, because it, this is going to be a, a tough year, I think, from any standpoint, um, especially when we were just talking about it. Look, the coaching staff is still getting familiar with their players, and they're still getting familiar with everybody's strengths. And I think Matt Rule has talked about how they don't necessarily know how this team is going to stack up against others. You can't necessarily compare this team to any other team quite yet. So it's uh, it's about, you know, the me against me thing that we heard Will Greer talk about. How can these guys continue to try to improve over the course of the season so that they're playing their best football in December and building on something not just for this year but for the years to come. And I think it's it's both a corporate sense and an individual sense. It's how does this team as a group, you know, whatever their final record is, how is that record better than maybe what they are on paper? You know, they want that record to be better than what they actually are, overachieve there. And how do they, as individuals that are fighting for spots on this team, that are fighting for their careers, you know, to be better, to, to land, to, to get, to take the next step at whatever that is, how do they do better than what they are on paper? I mean, Christian McCaffrey, you know, consensus number one overall fantasy draft pick, you know, best running back in the NFL, probably maybe one of the best offensive players in the NFL, period. He's like, how do I overachieve? 
How is it yeah. possible for him to overachieve? But that's his mindset. Right. That's the mindset up and down the roster. How do I overachieve? That's the mindset of all great players. And I spent a lot of time around Aaron Donald. And, you know, you get a guy that reached uh, 20 sacks as an interior lineman. That just doesn't ever happen. Now, how does he try to get better? It's this. It's a mindset and a mentality of guys that are at this uh, – or, or that are – easy for me to say. My God. <laughs> you can overachieve on this one, Miles. Go I ahead. I guess I could. <laughs> I would ask you to edit that out, Matt, but you know what? Oh, Let's we're just, leaving it in. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you certainly they get a can't underachieve more than that. Wow, <laughs> yeah. Matt. Producer Matt with a zinger. Hey-o. Anyway, it's a mindset and a mentality of guys that are elite in this game that they always want to make sure that they're getting better with whatever they're doing. That's what I was trying to say. Well said. Well Thanks. Said. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's going to be even harder for everyone just considering all of the obstacles that everyone has faced to get to this point. And I, I'm so excited that we're here. I'm so excited that we're talking about week one, but you know, there's no denying that it's going to look a lot different this season. And a a big part of that, at least for us at first, um, is that there won't be any fans for, for the first little bit, which is, which is tough. Yeah. So we, we, we informed fans this week, um, both on our social, you know, an email everywhere that, no fans in week one, and I think this was something that, you know, it was pretty disappointing across the board because I know, and you guys know, how much work they put into making this stadium safe, making protocols, making rules, making yeah. all sorts of things safe and ready for fans to come. Um, and just as it played out, the rules for where we live just didn't allow it. Um, and so I, I think that there, there's some obviously disappointment, and obviously the players are prepared for that, I think. But, you know, we talked to Troy Pride this week about how hard that's going to be to literally go your your debut in your home stadium in your home state, first time putting on an NFL jersey and there's nobody there. Right. Um, and how hard that's going to be. I think they've done a good job of trying to really get their minds wrapped around it. But, I mean, let's be real. Like, there's no real way to prepare for what that's going to be like. No, probably not. But I think there's just been so much strangeness around this offseason, this training camp. Um, talking to Derek Brown, he he's a guy that always says that he likes to be where his feet are. So uh, I asked him a week or two ago when we were talking about something, and, and he I asked him, you know, how did it feel to come into this building for the first time? Was it strange? And he said, you know, I, I just don't think of it that way because I feel like I have so many different responsibilities, whether it's, you know, when I'm at home, I got to be the best uh, fiance, best father I can be when I'm here. I have to be the best defensive tackle I can be. So my focus is always what can I do today to be the best me I can be. So that's his be where my feet are mentality. And I I think that that's going to serve him well, especially going into a rookie debut where, look, much is expected from a guy who's picked number seven overall, and he's going to be the, the starting defensive tackle out there. I, I think the one thing that I will put money on predicting for 2020 is that it's going to be unpredictable. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> is that no. a loser game show sound? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I needed one. I was due for one of those. It, it's back to the fans, though. I think, obviously, there's disappointment, but I obviously I think that they're trying really hard to change that. The, the next home game isn't until week four in October. Obviously, there's another six home games after that. Um, into the end of December. I think that they're going to work really, really hard to do their best to try to get some fans in here before this season's out. So I wouldn't say, man, no fans week one. Well, you know, packing it in, you know, no one's going to be able to get in here. I, I think there's 
we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, I would stay prepared that, you know, we can get some fans in at some point. Yeah. Yeah. We think about how much things change from week to week when we come in here and record this podcast every single week. So I definitely don't think just because we don't have fans week one, that means that it's going to be that way all season. There's so much that can change, as we all know, in just a few days. So hopefully we can we can make that happen in a safe way at some point this season. Uh, so another big thing that's going on with the Panthers, specifically with the team, um, is the team is trying to formulate uh, a response, an appropriate and um, active response to the social unrest and trying to to make an impact as a, a group of men. And Trey Boston spoke this week about why the players decided to cancel practice on Saturday and meet instead. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, it takes us, you know, having to take a step back, breathing, coming together collectively, because there's a lot of people who have a lot of great, uh, you know, propositions, plans, uh, different priorities that they feel um, we should attack. And if you don't get everybody's input, uh, it allows for the links to, to be a little loose. And we wanted to be able to take everybody's input, everybody's uh, mindset, and, and put it on paper and see, uh, again, what are the priorities? What, what, how can we make this impact um, you know, soon, but last forever. Uh, and, and that's the thing, you know, we, we, a lot of people always talk about change, 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 but um, they attack it so fast that others aren't on the same page as them. And I thought we wanted to be on the same page, uh, really listen to a lot of educated men inside this building and, and taking each and everybody's word and researching it, you know, having time to actually, uh, you know, get everything and the nuances ironed out yeah, I, I thought it was important that we did that. I, I thought it was great that not only were the players able to do something to express themselves and how they were feeling, because, I, I mean, look, I talked about it on last week's podcast. That last week was hard, um, but I also thought it was great that Matt Rule said that he was 100% supportive of the players to take that time um, and to have those conversations. And so... I think it's really encouraging to see that those players seem to be on the same page. You know, they they want to keep exactly what was said in house. I respect that, and they also want to make sure that when they do speak on what it was that was said, there is a clear message that resonates, um, and it's not just something piecemeal that somebody can say, "Oh, it was this," and then it was that. No, they want to have one clear, cohesive vision and one cohesive line um, for taking action. And so I I respect that a lot. Yeah, one thing that I think I've learned about this team in the time that I've been covering them is, although we don't know what they have planned right now, um, and they will announce that in time, I think it's they really are putting a big priority on this. And and, uh, Coach Rule and and Mr. Tepper, everyone is supporting them in this. And I think that they are going to, when they are ready to announce whatever it is, it's going to be well thought out. It's going to be actionable and it's going to be something that they really hope can have an impact um, in the community. And I think in the country at large. So I've been really impressed with the commitment to listening to the players, to talking things out. Um, And I'm excited to see what these players come up with when they're ready to share it with us. I think they have a really good understanding of who they are. Um, You know, that, that, uh, that that piece about Zach Kerr, you know, that that you wrote, and just his understanding of who he is, but what responsibility is on him is, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's up and down everybody out on this team that understands. Like, I, I think someone asked, you know, is it fair that you guys have to be juggling this while like trying to prepare for Week One, and that's not even in their minds. Is it fair? 
This is this right. is life. You know, this is this is everything. So of of course it's important and we're going to spend time and devote energy to it and you know, it's not, it's not just something that man this is getting in the way of me studying my playbook. Like no, it, this is this is life. This is important. So I I think that that's an incredible message already just just in that. Yeah, it's um it's bigger than football and it's great to see teams come together to try to make an impact and to feel the support from the organization as they try to do so. All right, we are going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me to always make it easy for the customer. That's you. A live person will always be here to answer the phone. We're here till midnight, seven days a week. So you never have to take off work. And it's the same price as in the daytime. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. You're going to love these people. I guarantee it. Go to MorrisJenkins.com. All right, next up on Overheard, we got Chris Manhurts um, talking to the media, and he got asked, you know, he was a, a basketball player, and he got asked, you know, who would you pick for your starting five if you if the Panthers were forming a team? Here's what he said. Starting five, um, KK, I'll probably throw me in there. I'll probably throw Christian in there. I'll probably throw Mike Davis, and uh, Ian is a sleeper too. We've gotten all these guys talking about like different teams. You know, yeah, the four by one relays. Now we got starting fives in basketball. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, oh my gosh, I'm such a good athlete. I could play all these different sports. And like they are, they're very good. Okay, well, to be fair, athletes, Chris Manhurts didn't come into the media availability <laughs> like, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> I know. I'm all, I'm great at these sports. He was asked the question. <laughs> Poor guy. He gets asked the question every single year. It's just like, hey, Chris Manhurts, remember that time you got a lot of rebounds at Canisius? Talk about that. Well, and he's like, oh, okay. We are definitely, you know, well, you said that we are, you know, it, it's hard to think that we were about a week away from football. Like when you start to get this, and then we get the <laughs> yeah. uh, the yep. backup quarterback conversations that you know, and the questions that go to, to Matt Rule and that kind of stuff. That to me signals fourth week of preseason, mm-hmm. and I think we're all ready to start talking about real things and matchups. Wow. Okay. So you don't like my soundbite? Um, <laughs> that's not what I was saying. This is like maybe uh, I, uh, I'm just gonna no. stick out. I'm gonna stay here in the booth of shame. I'm not gonna come out when we finish recording. Yeah. You know what? I should I should that's just cool. take over the hosting duties again. No, I was kidding. <laughs> I mean, it does it does make me wonder. You know, we, you know, you asked about what did I miss from training camp? Well, every year there were some pretty epic staff basketball games down there. And you'd be surprised who on the staff is actually pretty good at basketball. So I don't want to know how good Miles is at basketball, but Miles, what, what are you really good at? Like sneaky, sneaky good. good. At? This is the weird question of the week. Yes, the weird question of the week. Like uh, you know, I, so I'm not good at basketball. I'm very bad at basketball. When I was a child, um, I like it was I don't know six or seven years old, and my mom signed me up for this rec basketball league, right? And you know, kids they 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 do basketball, they do whatever, and I was the kid that like just stood under the basket, and I was like, I hate this, this is terrible. <laughs> and my mom was like, I distinctly remember her being like, you cannot quit because we don't quit things, and this is something that you need to do. And I'm like, ugh. But I think in retrospect, she might have let me quit. Um, but it, to answer your question, what am I sneaky good at? Uh, if it's not a sport, let, let's call it like a game. I'm sneaky good at Flip Cup. I am the LeBron James of Flip Cup. That's a, wow, those are big words. I, I'm not even kidding. Well, 
going to have to get this on tape at some point. Yeah. And we just only, throw out, I'm the LeBron James of Flip Cup. I only play with water, obviously. but uh, Obviously. Yeah. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Christian, what are you sneaky good at? Uh, not much. Um, I, yeah, sports were never my thing. As I told you guys, uh, career high in church basketball, I played for like five years. Career high, four points. Um, so definitely not that. I, I was a competitive cheerleader in high school we went to all the competitions and all that kind of stuff and it was a full year-round thing so uh i you know certainly wouldn't want to try any backflips right now (laughs) i think i could seriously hurt myself so if i take sports off the table guys i don't want to brag here but um i'm pretty great at crossword puzzles like i could time i could beat you in a timed crossword puzzle Matt knows that because he was my secret he was my secret santa and got me a, a crossword puzzle um, book, which is awesome. Can you do a crossword puzzle faster than Stephen Weatherly can do a Rubik's Cube? No, he did that in a minute and a half. Oh, my gosh. That's, that was ridiculous. Guys, by the way, I tried to – I bought a Rubik's Cube after he did it, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, <laughs> get into this. Maybe I can, you know, figure it out and nope. stuff. It took me an hour to get one face done, wow. the white face, wow. and I had to read the instructions. I had to, like, read the <laughs> – I had to read about – um. The what, the algorithms and yeah. stuff. So um, definitely not that either. But I can I can tear up a crossword puzzle. Mario Kart. I am the best Mario Kart player. Period. I believe. You, that. Do you have an N sixty four? Period. I have a Switch, and so I play oh. the newest one. I dominate at the newest Mario Kart. Like I'm not even that good at video games, but I will beat anybody in Mario no, Kart. I, I can I play it. the N sixty four version. I'd love to get one in here. We should that do would that. be a lot of fun. That I, would. I'm I a Mario good. Kart beast. I was pretty good on the GameCube version. Oh. The double dash? Yeah. Yeah, that, that one was I like great. That one. I like that one a lot. I never progressed past N sixty four. Yeah. Uh, all right, you well, would get smoked. <laughs> <laughs> love I love the confidence coming from Matt right Me now. Me too. I get I can I can feel it all the way over here in the booth of shame. You guys are all the way there, but he's just radiating <laughs> confidence. Um, all right, Will, what's what's yours? These have been some pretty good ones so far. So what's your sneaky good, if not sport, sport-adjacent thing? Ping pong. Really? really? Yeah. I can see that. Now, are you, are you so good at ping pong that you call it table tennis? No. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that good, but I'm good enough to take on Preston and Bill at ping pong, and they consider themselves masters. Ooh. So we would, we would just, every day at the end of camp, there was a big ping pong table down at Wofford. And we would just stop whatever we were doing and go play. Love that. Is it? It's all about the serve, right? You gotta get. You gotta yeah. get in there with a low serve. Yeah, I mean, it, I have a pretty decent serve. I have. I can return kills pretty reasonably, nice. and, and kind of like and kind of play the edges. You know, you play the edge of the table. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would always try to kind of place so it falls off, so you can't get it. Um, which I know is kind of like dirty pool play or whatever, but you know, you got to win. I used to work at the Salvation Army after school program and kids in like fourth and fifth grade would consistently beat me at (laughs) at, uh, (laughs) uh, ping pong. I'm not good at ping pong. Matt was like, but I'll take you in Mario Kart. (laughs) Come on back. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, I feel like we've all learned something um, about each other. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, Which was great. But Miles, you started this thing. Let's have you end it. Do you want to, you want to show us one more time, the more you can do and, uh, and close out the show. Yeah, close us out. Land the plane. I think I can do so. All right, you got well, this. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this edition of the Happy Half Hour podcast, presented by Morris Jenkins for our producer Matt, for Will Bryan, for Chris and Balboni. I'm Miles Simmons. We'll see you next time. You would. 
wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.